five, four, three, two, one. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Unrelenting Pressure. I'm Ryan. I'm Hunter. And today's show, we are going to be talking about growth, mi- growth mindset, fixed mindset, a couple of experiences that we had and how it relates to us. Yeah, and then we'll also talk a bit more about how these kind of books complement each other and just that general concept of it that we've been realizing as we read more and more books over the past several months and so. Yeah, but for me personally, growth mindset is one of the most impactful things that I've had happen to me in the past six to 12 months. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's been super impactful just because the whole idea of being in a growth or fixed mindset just completely flipped my world upside down. Sure. Well, let's let's talk more about what is a growth mindset and what is a fixed mindset. Yeah. Let's break that out a bit more. Yeah, so I think a growth mindset is when you view every single... Every single thing that you're going to do as an opportunity, I can't talk today, as an mm-hmm. opportunity to learn and grow rather than seeing it as like a detriment. Sure. Or like a judgment of yourself, right? Yeah. I think that that's one of the things I took away from the fixed mindset yeah. concept is that any challenge and the result of that challenge is a harsh judgment of who you are at your core rather than who you are currently and what your capability is currently. Yeah. Right? So we talked about this a bit before, and the book talks about this, where, you know, growing up, I was part of that gifted and talented program, you know, in elementary school, middle school, that we all get loaded into if you get straight A's because your mom helped you out on your your tests and stuff like that, (laughs) right? But anyway, you get lumped in there, and they tell you that you're a smart kid. You're, You're one of the smart kids. You're the cream of the crop or whatever. Uh, and then you get in there and then they give you all these different exams and different types of ways of testing you. Um, and you're going into that class or that program thinking, oh, I am one of the smart ones. I am smart. Somebody told you you're naturally smart. So, okay, I don't need to work at being smart. I just am smart. And then you do these tests and they prove or they they tell you at the end that, oh, you aren't as smart as the rest of the people who took it. So as a child, you might internalize that and say, oh, I'm not smart, or this test tells me I'm not smart, so let's avoid that failure so I can maintain my belief that I am smart, right? Rather than looking at it as an opportunity to become smarter and a a way to grow with the growth mindset. So it's that differentiating between fixed mindset, I am smart, and anything that contraries that or contradicts that, avoid it so that I don't lose that credibility or that that label. Whereas a growth mindset, I can be smart. I am good at growing and good at educating myself and becoming smarter and looking at those challenges as ways to grow that. Um, and that's just that. That's how I read both of those differences there. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. I was in a fixed mindset for the longest time just because... Like I would never try my hardest or try to That's see. Good way to say it. Yeah, I would never try my hardest, and I would never because I was always scared of. Well, what if I tried my hardest and I failed? Yeah. Then I'm not good enough, and yeah. I'm a failure. Right. Right. So yeah, it was this really interesting thing where like I was just naturally good at sports. That's just yeah. how I ended up being. Right. But yeah, it got to the point like later in my high school and college career where like 
I just wasn't putting forth my best effort because, mm-hmm. yeah, you just get this like fear of failing. And when you fail, every, you think, and it's this really weird thing where you think everyone has a microscope on you and they're <laughs> yeah. like, look at this kid. He's a freaking loser. He's right. a failure. And just like nobody thinks that. But you get in your own head and you just label yourself as a, as a loser and a failure. And yeah. then what ends up happening is you like restrict your life and shelter yourself from going out and stretching and trying to do things that you you aren't capable of doing, you don't do those things because you're scared of failing. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. It's like being scared of failing and being labeled or labeling yourself as a failure and or a loser. And the growth mindset is you don't care if you fail. You don't care if you lose because through that failure and through that loss, you're going to grow and learn something. Yeah. Like there's so much information when you lose that you don't you don't get if you're always winning, Mm -hmm. right? Like you need to struggle in order to grow. Yeah. Yeah. So not caring about failing. I'll challenge that a bit because it's not necessarily not caring, at least in in the book, especially when there's like a parenting part of the book. So it talks about families and how they look at growth and fixed mindsets, especially with parenting children. Um, But one of the examples they use is a family sits down at dinner right once a week in this specific example so every thursday every friday or whatever this family gets together and the parents go around the table and ask their children and themselves give me a time that you failed this week and they celebrate that right so it's a celebration of when you did fail so it's as if it's not that they don't care about failure they care about it but in a positive way Mm because it's flipping the script on failure and not looking at it as a negative aspect but actually a positive because you pushed yourself so far that you did fail which is really how you would grow yeah i think it's the promotion of trying right right? yeah that's a good way to say it because you don't you don't learn or Mm. grow if you don't try right which sounds self-explanatory yeah but but we don't do it no we don't for some really weird reason well i think it's like human nature too right like if you were to fail you know go back to caveman times right if you failed you fucking died yeah right (laughs) you either died or you were like ostracized from sure that's best case scenario right but if you failed in trying to hunt the predator that's hunting your tribe you died and so did everybody else around you right yeah so if you avoiding it is why don't we just pick up and move yeah right yeah. No, I mean, that's a really good aspect, right? Because if you do try in ancient times and you got eaten by the tiger, yeah. well, then you don't procreate. <laughs> exactly, right? Right? So the people who are less willing, well, I mean, that's an interesting rabbit hole to go down. I think people are more effective at avoiding it. Yeah. That part is what then gets passed down yeah. to, right? Because they survive, then they pass that down. And you know what's worked in the past? Avoidance. Yep. Rather than effort in trying to overcome, right? Yeah, maybe it's uh, choosing your opportunities appropriately. Not sure. Everything's a balance, right? Everything's yeah. a balance in that regard. But Yeah, super interesting book, though, by Carol Dweck, Mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, I read it a couple of months ago, so I'm a little rusty on some of these things. Oh, but, I just uh, finished it, yeah. Yeah, I literally recommend that book to every single one of my friends. It's just such a foundational book because if I had read this when I was younger, mm-hmm. I'd be so much further along in my personal life and my career just because... Like I did label myself as like a, like a failure in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And I didn't stretch and take opportunities and take risks because I was scared of being labeled as a failure. Sure. Really sets you back. It holds you back a lot. Oh, yeah. But now I'm like making a lot of progress just because like, I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
putting on that thick skin of, okay, well, if I fail at this, then I just got like, you know, I think that's my biggest thing. It's like, mm. if you try and you fail at things that make you uncomfortable, like you can really three X or five X your development sure. because you're getting so much knowledge when you fail that you're just not getting if you don't try. Yeah. And that's, that's where the real beauty of it comes right now. Yeah. It's, it's the effort, right? And it's, you know, you, you hear about a lot of successful people, Millionaires, billionaires always talk to. They've learned more from one failure than their five successes, right? Or whatever it is, you know, some some statement like that. Um, and, you know, you hear other people saying they learn just by doing. Well, you fail in just doing, right? And that's how you learn, right? So Yeah, I think one of the things that helped me a lot and just like a shift in my perspective is when I'm going to do things, Yeah, I don't think of them as like, pass or fail I mm. think of it as practice oh that's because when you're going into it and it's practice yeah there's less uh pressure sure. on the line to yeah. perform right uh -huh. but if you're going in there going ah just practice if I don't if I don't do good it's like it's okay it was just practice mm -hmm. and then you learn from it and you know practice is learning mm -hmm. so if you treat everything as if it's practice it could get you in a bind because <laughs> something's really on the line but I would say most things like 80 to 85 percent of things for me I'm like ah it's practice who yeah cares? who cares what anyone else thinks because if it's a game and there's something on the line and it's a win or loss then you could really quickly like number one not perform because you're scared of being labeled as a failure sure but when you go in and it's just practice it, it it's more fun it's more fluid I would say yeah I think so I think you look at the opportunity more positively Right, because you're less focused on what are the negative results of this. You're less focused on the end results. Right, I think and that's more the so best about look the at process it. and the effort of it. The I think process. they they mention this a lot in the book. The just the word effort, mm -hmm. and you you mentioned earlier, rewarding or prioritizing trying. I think it's the same way of saying it, but just the the phrase or the word effort um, was used a lot in the book. And I think that's that's spot on, right? If you value, you praise, you reward effort, effort. rather yep. than the result, that is just sets you up so well mentally to focus on effort. And with effort will come result. Yeah. But you're not hung up on what that result is. So I it gets it enables you to try. Where a lot of people get stuck and this is me too, is you get so fixated on the end result. Yeah. But how do you get to the end result? It's by going right. through yeah. the process sure. and practicing, right? You can't expect to be a Olympic gold, uh, Olympic gold medalist yep. in swimming if you didn't put 10,000 hours worth of swimming in, right? Right. Like maybe there's one freak in nature in every thousand years. Sure. But it's like you have to just go through the process of putting the work in and putting the effort in. Yeah. And through just focusing on doing the effort and trusting in the process, you'll get the results. Sure. But we're so quick to go, oh, well, this person had it. Like they got, it must've been super easy for them. How come I don't have it? Right. Right. And you just see the end result instead of all of the process that that person went through to get to where they are. Yeah. It's like a trap that we fall into. And at least in my opinion, I feel like reality TV is like the biggest culprit of that. Oh, right. Yeah. Keeping up with the Kardashians. Horrible. Right. Because it's just FOMO, fear of missing out. You mm -hmm. see all these people living these like super luxurious, extravagant lives. And you think like, uh, like, oh, they have it. I must have it. So like, how can I get there the quickest? And it's just yeah. like they're an anomaly. It's an anomaly and it's not real either no, too. No, it's right? not real. It's not real reality. Um, it's cut in so many different ways, shot from XYZ angles, redone multiple times, right? It's like having a text conversation 
versus having a, a real in-life conversation, right? If you can orchestrate everything with prep, it's a totally different scenario, right? Yeah. But going back to the, gold, the Olympic gold medalist thing, I got you got me thinking, and it's a bit of a, a devil's advocate to this concept, participation trophies, mm. right? So the now work. that I think about that, how, and I don't know the answer, how is rewarding or recognizing effort different than participation trophies like these days? So... The thing with participation trophies is it's like, okay, yes, you're rewarding effort in a sense, right? Because the eighth eighth place person at least tried. Mm -hmm. But in that same respect, you can't be telling Johnny in eighth place that he's the best in the world Mm. when he came in eighth place, Mm -hmm. right? You have to tell them like, good job trying. You got to try harder. Mm. Okay. Right? That makes sense. Yeah. Because just because you came in eighth place doesn't mean that you're going to win the competition. Sure. Right? There's definitely something to be said for you tried, but there's also you need to hold yourself accountable and you're not good enough. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Right. It's I'm not good enough yet. Ah, that's good distinction. Because once you put the effort in yeah. and you continuously put the effort in, like the results will come. Yeah. But that's the problem is, yeah, we gave an eighth place trophy to this kid just for trying. And now he thinks he's on top of the world and he doesn't need to try anymore. Mm, yeah. Right. Because he got a trophy. Yeah. And especially then, if he didn't try really. Exactly. You know what I mean? What, like, yeah. If what if he put practice. in like 20% effort and they gave him a trophy? So now it's like, oh, all I need to do is put in 20% effort and right. I get rewarded for it? Exactly. Best world in the world, yeah. right? That's a good point. That's a good distinction. No, no, no. I think, yeah, we like coddle people too much and we're afraid to give them real feedback because like there's definitely something for effort, but there's also efficiency of that effort too, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're doing a hundred percent effort, but on the wrong things, like that's not a good thing. Right. You should get your shit together. Sure. Right. It's pretty straightforward. But if you're putting a hundred percent effort in all the right things, like you're going to be in first place, like there, there's going to be no way around it. Right. Now there's the few people who I'm sure put in like 70% effort, but they get a hundred percent of the rewards. Well, but there's that person right behind you putting in a hundred percent effort on yeah. the right things, catching up real quick. Yeah. Well, it's it, in the book talks a lot about specific examples and athletes and stuff like that. So they obviously talk about Michael Jordan, right? Oh, in yeah. that same concept or Kobe or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Who might not have had all of the best natural talent, right? I mean, Michael Jordan definitely didn't, right? He didn't make his high school basketball team, didn't get into the college that he wanted to do, didn't get into to play basketball, but he put the work in behind the scenes, and then he continued to do that throughout his entire career, as did Kobe, uh, and that just kept on inching them closer and closer and then beyond and beyond and further beyond all the competition who didn't put that same work in or the same effort, right, didn't put the same effort in. Um, and they eventually surpassed them, right? Yeah, well, it's such an interesting thing because it's so easy just to go, oh, well, he's Michael Jordan. He was the best ever. You look at the like, result, oh, right? Yeah, like no one could ever beat him. Like right. it, it makes sense that he's the best ever. Sure. And then it's just like, well, if you go back to high school when he didn't make the basketball team, it wasn't looking too good then, right? Right. So it's just like, then how, how did he get from not making the high school basketball team to the best basketball player ever? And much to your point, it's he put in the effort yeah. on the right things consistently, persistently over an extended period of time. Yep. And, you know, I think the other tricky thing that people fall into a trap to is, is sometimes they get too soft on themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's the example of, uh, Michael Jordan was in the NBA, uh, final, the championship Uh and he had like 103 fever and he was sick as a dog and he went out there and he played and he put it the best game ever. 
Mm-hmm. Like he put up like the most points in an NBA championship game. It, like oh, yeah, I, I think in that. the history or something like that. Yeah. And it just like, okay, well, here's a guy who most people would probably stay out of the court, right? Because, sure. oh, what are they going to do? They're sick. They have a fever. They, they're not going to perform at their best. It's not even worth them playing. Yeah. And then he goes out there and just completely annihilates the field. And it's just like, he wasn't too hard on or too easy on himself. He was hard on himself and that's what got him to where he is. Right. And it's yeah. just like, we're so quick to like coddle people and tell them that they're doing a great job. And right. it's just like, no, there's something to be said for having the attitude of, and it's a, it's a, it's a balance, right? Because you definitely can be too hard on yourself, but you also need to be able to push yourself yeah. in the right circumstances. There's healthy pressure. Right? Exactly. And that's a situation where it's just like, well, anyone else would have sat out that game. Sure. But he was just like, no, not me. Yeah. Because he, I'm the best ever. Right. Yeah. And he probably, he probably in all those practices that he did after games throughout his, the past 15, 20 years of his career, he probably practiced with 103 fever. Right. Oh, for sure. With his, with his ethic and his focus on effort, uh, he probably practiced under that. So pra- playing a game, especially championship, under that scenario wasn't as novel as a, as it might have been for others. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is very true because, yeah, he's the type of person who would probably, like you said, practice sick as a dog, probably let alone yeah. play sick as a dog. Yeah, because that's what he does. That's, yep. what any, that's what people do, successful people do. You do it during the hard times, too. Yep. Not just when you feel motivated. Yep. You do it through discipline. You hold there's yourself, a big difference between those two. Yep. You hold yourself accountable. Yeah. And I think at least in my opinion, that that's one thing that's helped me a lot too, personally, is just holding myself accountable. And like, it's so easy just to come up with an excuse for sure. every single yeah. freaking thing. Right. But when you tell yourself like, nah, like, uh, yeah, it's snowing outside. I don't give a shit. I'm going right. to the gym. Yeah. Right? Oh, I'm probably not going to have a good workout anyway because I'm tired or I didn't eat enough today or some, yeah. some I didn't reason. sleep good. I didn't right. eat enough. Like, <clears throat> oh, my, my dog was barking all night. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's snowing. It's raining outside. Sure. It's cold. Like, no, just stop making up excuses. Just do what you need to do. Right. Trust in the process. Yeah. Quite literally. And they'll stack on top of each other. Right. Those are building blocks. Building blocks of confidence and building blocks of success. Right. Yeah. But I think it comes from just having a growth mindset of number one trying and putting the effort in in. and then just building the habits that compound over time. Right. And when you're first starting out, like you got no habits or you got shit habits. Yeah. Well, you have shit habits, right? You got shit habits because you didn't realize it, but you were picking up all of these tiny micro habits from your parents. Right. And they probably had no clue what they were doing. Yeah. And unfortunately, if you have 20 years of those bad habits, you have to break those habits before you can start to build the good ones. Yeah. Really yeah, tough. that's a good point. That's hard. I mean, that touches on the whole atomic habits, right? Yep. That book, um, which I was mentioning to you earlier, I got to go back and reread that one now. Uh, after having read Mindset, I totally think I should have read Mindset first. Uh, but even so, it, it's brought a point to me that rereading books with different perspectives, and you can get those different perspectives by reading other books, and then taking that back and rereading it, right? So yeah. like them book how books complement each other in yep. that regard. Um, that's a new lesson for me, new learning for sure. Yeah, I, I never understood why you know you talk or you hear some interviews or you talk to some people and like, oh yeah, I reread that book five times. I'm like, why would you reread it so many times? You you read it the first time, maybe a second time because you didn't solidify everything. But why have you read it so many times? And I think now having gone through this experience a little bit, I'm like, oh that. That makes sense because he probably read or she probably read six other books 
since they read that the first or the second time, and now they have a totally different perspective they can go back and apply to it, right? So I think that's a, it's a nod to a growth mindset because it's a new opportunity and uh, to take advantage of and to grow from. But just generally keeping that open, open mentality, open perspective to apply a different position to it, right? Yeah, well, I think when you're reading books, you're applying your current knowledge and current yeah, experiences snapshot, right? to it. And those experiences change, right? Because mm-hmm. you could have a really dramatic experience and then three months later read that same book and that book could mean something completely different to sure. you because something else is on your mind. But yeah, much to your point, like I haven't reread too many books, but one that I've read a lot of times is by Benjamin Franklin called The Way to Wealth. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I must have... Benjamin Franklin? It's a founding freaking, father? Yeah. Wow, really? Freaking <laughs> I didn't amazing. know he had a book like it's that. It's so wild. just absolutely amazing. And yeah. there's so many cool like little sayings and puns in there. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was like one a, of the puns, don't fly a kite with a key on it. In a <laughs> no, it was uh, early to sleep, early to rise, makes a man happy, wealthy, and wise. Ah, oh, that's good. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the OG uh, rapper. Small hole sinks a big ship. Yeah. Wow. Right. Look at There's that. a lot of really good ones in yeah. there. But yeah, I must have, because every single time I'd go back and reread it, like the things that I had highlighted, like didn't catch my attention, but uh-huh. other things in there caught my attention. And I'm like, wow, it's just so relevant in that space and time. Sure. Yeah. But even going back to Atomic Habits, um, yeah, it's just super interesting. Like now that I, I, you know, this past year I read like 16 something books. Yeah. And it wasn't even a whole year. It, yeah. it was like. It was like eight months or something like that, right? Yeah. I, I just like went down this huge motivation push to just start bettering myself yeah. and reading books. But yeah, one thing that was super interesting was, and I got, I get a lot of my books off a of podcast mm-hmm. and my rule of thumb is, is that when I hear it on one podcast, I put it on my shopping cart. And then mm. when I hear it on two podcasts, it's an almost buy. And third podcast, when I hear it, I buy that buy book. <laughs> but yeah, it was super interesting because I'm buying these like highly uh, referred books. Yeah. And it's just so interesting because as I'm reading them, they all connect it together. Mm. And it's this really interesting string of like, it was very intriguing because I was blown away by like, I literally just read this. And now this next book talks about the previous two books. Mm. And it was just this really weird, and I want to say it's a coincidence, but maybe it wasn't, honestly. Yeah. Right? Because it was just like super powerful and impactful because every single book built on top of the last one. Yeah. And it was freaking amazing. Yeah. I mean, I guess you, know, you hear the phrase, um, you make, what is it? Uh, it's a small, <laughs> not, not it's a small world, like the ride, but you know what I mean? Like, the world is getting smaller, right? Yeah. So imagine that community of podcasters, right? Or self-improvement or development, however you want to phrase that, right? Those, All those people are probably listening to each other in some type of way or influenced by each other, yeah. right? So if they're all connecting through a specific book, well, the guy who or woman who read and then wrote a book probably read those other books that we're talking about too, right? And are influenced by them. It's like music, right? Yeah. You I mean, that is true. listen to past artists and that influences what you write and you give them little nods back uh, in reference too. Yeah, super interesting. But yeah, I think much to your point, right? Like sometimes they take ideas and feed off of each other, right. which is super duper interesting. Yeah. It'd be cool to get them like, get like the top 10 podcasters in a room and like, and then just hear what they talk about. You know, you have like... It sounds like a good idea. Right? I mean, you get guest podcasters right for sure you know you have tim ferris and he brings on xyz right jocko or something right and then they talk about whatever they talk about but what if you multiply that what if you have five of those people 
talking on about the same, the same topic. Sure. Or just letting them go, right? Oh, just giving them some some general prompts or something like that. Or yeah. just totally letting them go and see what they talk about. I think that would be a really cool experiment. Give them nothing. See who kind of leads the room and see give what... Give them a topic. Don't even give them... A, yeah, see how the leader gives them a topic. Yeah. But just like give them nothing from like a production perspective, yeah. like producing it, and just see what comes out. I think there should be two. There should yeah. be one where you give them nothing and see how it evolves. Sure. And then the second one should be you give them a topic yeah. and then see what comes see out what of that. that because yeah. seeing like 10 of those minds come together yeah. and talk about one topic would be very interesting be very and very insightful. Yeah. Right? That's a cool. good idea. You I hear mean, that, Tim Ferriss? We're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which would be I think that'd be cool. Funny. You know, see how, see how it works out. Yeah, we could get a... Because I'm pretty sure Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday... Yeah, uh, I don't know about Jocko, but uh, James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits. Oh yeah, they're all friends. Oh, are they? Yeah, and they all that. talk to each other. Yeah, that's cool. Which would be super interesting. That would be cool. That'd be a cool podcast. Just if they did that themselves, right? Just to have three big personalities like that all together, and then it kind of like we were talking about earlier. The kind of podcast, some of the podcasts that I like, are comedians who are friends and they're just bullshitting with each other. Right, you got two bears, one cave. Yep, uh, yep. With Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer, which I just watched. Burt Kreischer's new special it was really funny. Oh, how was it? It was good. Yeah, I liked it. I saw it on Netflix yesterday. His and, like, and click it though. his style is just so stories. It's just I don't know if he embellishes a lot from his life or not, yeah. but it just sounds like he's telling us about his life. Yeah, in his he does do a really it good just, job with the delivery. It is sounds like you're talking to a dude at a bar, and he's just Going mentioning off. of what happened with his wife and kids <laughs> last week. And it's so funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, no, like it really the is. hijinks that he gets into in seemingly his everyday life mm-hmm. is just great. It feels it feels so genuine. Well, I forget. I don't I don't really watch that podcast too yeah. often. But I remember listening to Tom Segura was was talking about Bert yeah. and they were going and they they were playing tennis. Okay. And he was just like, yeah, he's just like I have a tennis coach. I was out there like getting all pumped up. Bert was coming <laughs> to play me and he's just like I'm going to crush this guy in front of my tennis coach. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And he's like then Bert rolls up. He's just like completely loaded yeah has like three or four beers in his uh, hoodie and he's just like all right you ready he's just like yeah and then bert comes up and he serves first and he's got like a college level serve he starts wailing at him Uh and he was just like what the fuck i wasn't ready for this he's just like he's like that's just how he is yeah literally he talks about how much he drinks like he literally is just loaded every single place he goes yeah so freaking funny but he's like these this hidden natural athlete athlete yeah you know and he's like he's delusional with it. i've heard him and joe rogan like just bullshit about it which is hilarious yeah because he <laughs> bird will be like i can do more push-ups than you joe and joe's gets like super like killer instinct serious he's like i will fucking murder you there's no chance look at you are you kidding me and then they do it, and he blows him out of water. But Bert does a lot better than you would think a 250-pound, yeah. you know, 50-year-old or however old he is would do yeah. at those athletic things. That's, it's just so funny. I love their dynamic. Funny. Yeah. No, he's, but, he's so freaking yeah. funny. But, like, to do, like, have an environment like that, a camaraderie like that with extremely, I would say, professional type of podcasters like Tim Ferriss, you know, and so on and so forth, yeah. that would be a really cool shtick that they would do that i would that i would listen to at least I yeah i mean at least for me like i listen to all of them individually yeah and yeah getting them all in the same room talking about this like one topic whatever it even is whatever right? it is i mean like, they can just be talking up they can do go like burt style right just talk about their life and stuff yeah. like that yeah well that's one of the cool things about podcasting right it feels like people are just 
chatting amongst friends, right? Well, a lot the, of times. The funniest story is, is I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast, and he was like in Antarctica or something. Antarctica. Antarctica. Uh, you see with the video of the dude. He's like, I'm about to drink the waters of Antarctica. <laughs> and he surfs it up. Like, oh, it's very salty. <laughs> it's good. Uh, it says Antarctica. It's great. But sorry, yeah, Tim Ferriss well, is in Antarctica. I have like a speech impediment and I can't say my teeth sometimes. Antarctica. So <laughs> Antarctica. There you go. Anyway, he was in Ant- Antarctica <laughs> and uh, he was with one of the guys down there and they were like sipping whiskey. Yeah. And it was like, the best episode ever because I felt like I was just in a room with my best friends yeah. drinking whiskey. Sure. I'm like, this is freaking great. Yeah. And I, I was like, I don't know why I didn't. I was so close to messaging him and being like, dude, you need to do more of these. Yeah. This was freaking legit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we just had like a bro moment. Yeah. And but I wasn't even, even with you. Yeah. And I had no input at all. Freaking you don't even know my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so, thought I was there. Yeah. It was so awesome. Yeah. I was like, this is because, yeah, that's the interesting thing about today's day and age. It's like, I have so many relationships with people that yeah. I don't even know. Sure. You know, like yeah. I must have listened to hundreds of hours of Tim Ferriss podcasts, sure. right? Yeah. And like, I know Tim Ferriss, yeah. like probably fairly intimately and right. he doesn't know I even exist. Yeah. He's right? you know, probably spent more hours than him than some of your recent friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, I like what Lex Friedman says and he talks about like, you know, one of my big struggles right now is like, I really want to find a mentor. Yeah. Oh, right? That's a good point. Finding a mentor because there's the old adage that you are the average of the five people that you're with most. Sure. Right. Right. And someone was arguing like, oh, it needs to be like a, a real live in-person mentor. Right. And Lex was just like, no, no, no. He's like, some of my f- best friends are long dead because huh. they're in books. Oh, that was the guy who said that. I, I remember hearing a quote like that. I was trying to yeah. think it was. Yeah, and he's just like, Dostoevsky is my best friend. He's right. like, Ernest Hemingway is my best friend. Sure. And he's just like, all of these old authors, he's like, they're my best Because he's like, I'm reading and like talking and communicating with them right. like on a regular basis. So yeah, in a sense, like they are my mentors. Huh. So I like that like perspective of thinking because if you take that then Plato is my mentor and Aristotle is my mentor, right? Pretty good mentors. Exactly. Right. And yeah, super, super powerful, especially like with those minds. Yeah, it's a good way. To, I like that, especially for people who maybe aren't coming from um, like a background that has a lot of those, a lot of access to six, you know, quote unquote, successful people. It's hard finding right? successful say people, you're, right? You know, say you come from a, a rough background, yeah. right? How do you find good mentors? especially say like you're like in a high crime area or something that and the mentors that are accessible to you mm-hmm. you don't have a father figure the people that are there are you know drug dealers or criminals or whatever it is like say you just have a rougher upbringing yep how do you find good mentors yeah books i guess you can do that right uh, well so my favorite thing about books is especially the older the author uh-huh the better the book, Be- not necessarily, but it's like they can take 50 years of their life experience and condense it down to 200 pages. Yeah. So you're getting 50 years worth sure. of learnings in maybe 10 hours worth of reading. Right. Like where else can you get that? Yeah. You, yeah. The value of can. experience. Right. It's just incredible. Right. And like my big push and like, I, and I know I told you this, but mm. for everyone else out there, I hate reading. Like I what? despise reading. You what you? Oh my god! How I don't could you like say reading. such a thing. I don't like reading. Yeah, I hate doing it. But I set up a micro goal mm-hmm. of every single, and that's the thing for me is like, I I made this habit and I stick to this habit even to today. But it's like, 
how I had to flip it for me was I want to invest in myself because investing in yourself is the best investment that you can make. And one way that you can invest in yourself is reading books because you're learning, right? But I had to set a micro goal of just sitting down to do the habit was the hardest part for me. So I set a goal of I'm going to read for five minutes a day. Right. And what ended up happening is, is when I sat down and read for that five minutes a day, a lot of times it turned into 20 or 30 minutes. Mm. So instead of reading two pages, I would end up reading like 30 or 40 pages. And that's how I was able to read all those books within the past year was I just sat down, was super absorbed in the book and just started plowing through them. But it all started. I mean, that didn't happen at first. That probably took me like two or three months to get to that point. For the first two or three months, it was I would sit down, set a timer on my watch, read for five minutes and then stop. (laughs) And then eventually it got to the point where some days I would read for 10 minutes. Sure. And now it gets to the point where, yeah, I mean, I have the example of what what you're interested in also matters Mm -hmm. what you're reading. And don't be super stuck on having to read one book and finish it. I read like six or seven books at the same time. Yeah. Because what I found was there's this one book I was reading and it was really good. And then it got like halfway through and it started getting a little bit dry. And I was like just plugging away at 10 pages a day. Right. And that was about a chapter. So I was doing one chapter a day. I'm just like, I just don't want to read this book. Like yeah. I'm barely making it through 10 pages. So I think the one day I read 10 pages. And I was just like, no, I want to, I want to pick up this other new book I got and I'm going to try reading that. And I pick it up and I read 150 pages. Wow. And I was just like, so what was the difference between this book that I'm barely making it through 10 pages a day and this book where I picked it up and just read 150 pages Yeah. it's just, you're interested in it and you can relate to it. And when you're interested in something, you just get free focus Mm. because you're not even thinking about like forcing yourself to do it. You want to do it. And the best part is, is especially when you're hyper-focused like that, you absorb all the information way better. Mm, that's a good So point. yeah, now I try to bounce around between multiple books and just see where my interest is. Mm-hmm. And whichever one I'm the most interested in, I'll just read that one for the day. Yeah, I like that. You've mentioned that to me before, that you read multiple books at the same time. Well, here's the thing. and I forget who I got this from, but it's like, I think it was from Mark Manson who okay. wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Um, oh, yeah. But his thing is like, and uh, Naval Ravikant, which is like, you go on to a blog post and you yeah. read a 200 word blog post and then you scrap it, move on to the next one. Sure. Or you go on to Google and you're looking something up and you bounce around from article to article. Yeah. It's like you're never fully invested in 200 pages of that article. That's a good point. So yeah. it's like you flip into the article, read, get what you need mm-hmm. and then bounce out of it. Treat books the same way. Why should you treat books any differently? Yeah. There's there's no one forcing you to invest in an entire book. Sure. Just hop in, get what you need out of it, get out. Yeah. Probably fits our attention spans these days too more right because we're so short term attention spans these days because of what social media has done to us and television what and so on and so forth i try to take the flip side to that which is i like trying to read like so a lot of times maybe i'll make it like 20 or 25 minutes worth of reading sure i don't know how fast to read whatever whatever. that's like 10 or 15 pages Mm -hmm. right and let's say there's another 10 pages to finish the chapter I'll force myself to read because it forces me to stay focused for an extra 10 or 15 minutes. Ah, okay. So you're, I like to training use it your as attention. a counter to that, right. yeah, which is training my attention and training my focus. Yeah, okay. I because guess you can go either way with it too, right? You yeah. can like ride the wave of like and not push back against your current nature, right? Or something like that. And same thing like investing, right? Ride the wave of where the money's going, where policy's pushing you and so on and so forth. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah. The problem is, is that if you push yourself too much, then you'll get this anxiety where you don't even want to pick the book up yeah. because you don't want to read it. Well, yeah. So it's a balance, right? Yeah. It's, like like anything balance. is a balance. And yep. where do you put your, your li- somewhat limited 
I don't want to say motivation because it's not motivation, but attention. momentum, or I would say, yeah. or attention. Yeah, yeah that works too. Yeah. Uh, or effort, you yeah. know, a different way to say it. Where do you want to put that? Do you want to put it into reading those extra 10 pages like you were saying? Or do you put it into taking the notes after you read or doing something out, going and putting an extra 10 reps into a set or something, right? Just like choosing your battles throughout the day. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good discussion to get into, honestly, is prioritizing. Yeah, okay, that's a right? probably better way to say it. What yeah. are your priorities? Mm-hmm. What matters more to you, right? Because let's be perfectly honest, we could all take away 30 minutes of Netflix and oh, spend fuck, 10 minutes yeah, reading. Dude. Oh my God, you know I've been I mean? so horrible lately. I've, I've, like I said, I just got back from a few weeks of travel. So I'm just like zonked and on different time zones. I was in Hawaii, so that's like five or six hour time difference. Yeah. So I've just been so messed up with that. And I've been putting too much, too many eggs in the wrong basket. Yeah. You know, too many hour eggs in the wrong basket. I've been spending too much time watching TV and being passive and doing stuff like that. Yeah, it's hard, but it's like, it's the literally the beginning is the hardest part of the work. Yeah. That first time when you real because you have to be self-aware that you're doing it, right? Yeah. Like you're consciously choosing to go watch Netflix. Yeah, totally. When you realize you're going to watch Netflix, the hardest part is going, ah, let me read for five minutes and then I'll reward myself with sure. Netflix. Yeah, right? right. The hardest part just sitting down for that five minutes. But once you do it, then you're for some reason your body's just like, Oh, this is okay. This yeah. actually isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Right? But for some reason we build up this anticipation yeah, of I don't like know why. Oh, sitting down to read, like, oh, that's horrible. I don't, I don't want to do, why it. We do that. But then the funniest part is uh-huh. you sit down and you read the book and you're like, Oh, this is super interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm actually really enjoying this. <laughs> and you feel so much better after. That's afterwards why like you too. just gotta sit down and yeah. do it. Whatever habit you need to do to sure. sit down and freaking do it. I wonder I haven't we haven't talked about it that much in the past or I haven't read a book on it yet, but I wonder why that is. Right, that one hurdle to get over of actually just doing it. I wonder why that's so hard. Well, I think we're just creatures of habit, and I think you built the habit of, especially when you were traveling, like, oh, I'm just gonna watch TV. Sure. Right. Whereas if you kept the habit of before I watch TV, I'm gonna read. Yeah. And then I'll watch TV. You probably wouldn't have fallen off as hard as you did when you came back. Yeah, probably. Right? And also, you just have a different mindset. Like, you were traveling and, you know, spending time with your family and enjoying yourself. And it's like, that's a, it's a choice. Yeah. But it's also a habit that you're also reinforcing because you're choosing not to do the other habits. Yeah. When you're on your normal schedule. I did. I was able to maintain workouts. Nice. Throughout, throughout traveling. And then when I got back, I, you know, it was a night or a red eye. Left Saturday, got in Sunday morning, slept for like seven hours once I got in because he didn't sleep at all. I didn't sleep at all on the 11, 12, 13 hour flight. Um, yeah, it was oh a connection, you know. How were your, Kauai. How were your hips? Oh, uh, my sciatica was, was bugging me on that last leg for sure. And yep. it's, been, it's, it's been a problem since I've gotten back now too, so it sucks. Yeah. But, uh, you know, is what it is. Um, but I was got back in the gym day the day I got back and I've been able to get consistent workouts throughout the week. The timing is messed up, right? I'm not working out in the morning and working out in the afternoon or I was in the gym till like ten o'clock two nights ago at night. But I'm still getting there, which and having good workouts still. So yeah. that's well, getting back into the rhythm of what it should be. Yeah. When you first came back that first day, did you get back in the gym? Yeah. Okay, that's what nice. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why it was key. Like we talked about last time I traveled. Yeah. It's like getting just do it right when you get back or, you know, first opportunity you have when you get yep. back, just going and doing it. You, I don't understand you why you get back. like so much resistance. 
right? Yeah. In that aspect, I completely resonate with you where it's just like, for some reason you get so much resistance. Like for me, I get excited a lot of times, but then like right when I'm about to walk in the door to the gym, I'm like, oh, do I really want to do this? <laughs> it's like these... the last ditch yeah, effort I know. of the fucking gremlin on in the back of your head going, well, don't do this because yeah. you're tired. You don't want to do it. All these types well, of things. The like, last like ditch. From like the perspective of, conservation of energy yeah like we just always want to take the easy way out sure like we yeah. always take the path of least resistance yeah because from a like survival standpoint like you need to reserve all yeah. of your resources and energy for yeah, yeah. when you need it right mm -hmm. so it's just like yeah your body so quickly wants to go oh just sit on the couch watch yeah. Netflix. you don't want to work out <laughs> yeah right but it's like you need to overcome your body's instincts yeah of that and go like no no, no. i need to work out right exactly. <laughs> it's so hard to do that it's so hard but, but setting the routine or the habit, right? The habit of working out and like rewarding that effort with, I guess it's like been results that's come of that, that have been so rewarding, but then just like the action and recognition of what's come from that habit, um, solidified the habit, I'd say, right? Like, I like how I look better. I like how I feel better. Um, it's a good escape from like thinking about other things, like all of the benefits that come with. I just think with it's work progress. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, but, right. Because when you make progress, like when, let's be perfectly honest, when you're making progress, you feel freaking great. Oh yeah, for sure. And we all love moving towards a goal. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I like getting back in there because I feel like I'm moving towards something. Yeah. Oh, that's such a, I, you know, I, that's probably been a crutch for me to be honest in like other aspects, like career wise or relationship wise. It's like, all right, I feel like I'm stagnant in those areas at a certain period of time. Um, but at least I'm having growth in the gym, mm -hmm. right? I think there's a pitfall there that people need to watch out for. I don't think you get into it until later on in the journey, right? So it's nothing to avoid or be concerned about when you're first starting working out and such. But I do think that there's a pitfall in there. Your mind tricking yourself of recognizing effort or progress in one area and like, transcribing that into a different area and saying, Hey, that's good enough. At least I'm growing here. So I don't mm. need to grow there. Right. Yeah. So having that, I'm just saying like reflecting on what your goals are in multiple different areas. Like there's this exercise, what's it called? Um, it's like the wheel diagram or the wheel of life, something like that. And basically you, you draw a circle, you cut it up into six or eight pies, right? Like a pizza or something. And then you label each one a certain aspect of your life, right? Career, relationship, fitness, finance, whatever it is. And it, all of them together add up to who you are, essentially. And then you rank where you are, where you reflect, where you think you are in each one. And you draw like a dot from one to 10 in that pie, that mm. triangle of it. Interesting. And then you connect all of those dots all the way around. And the idea is one, it gives you a visual representation of where you're spending your effort, where your priorities are, where your priorities are. Yep. Um, and then where you're weak at, Yep. because then it looks like a janky ass wheel, yeah. right? You got sharp points in some places, low yep. points. So it's not round and smooth all the way around. Yeah. So it gives you an opportunity to smooth that out, uh, take away from some areas, devote more energy into other areas. Um, and that's something I've done that's helped me recognize what we just said. Yeah. Uh, and then I've recommended it to, to others that I'd like mentors. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. I, this is from Jocko and I, I love what he says, which mm. is prioritize and execute. 
Sure. Right. So you prioritize like what's most important, what needs to get done now mm-hmm. and then execute on it. Yeah. Right. So like when I first start my day after the gym, after the sauna, mm-hmm. after all the good stuff yeah. and after I journal and do my quotes, yeah. send it to you guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> after three and a half hours of my day starting, I start my day. <laughs> it really is. I do my to-do list. Yeah. But the top of my to-do list is called the win list, ah. which is what's important now. Okay. Like that one, right? Yeah. But I basically go through and prioritize like, all right, what is most important to me and what's going to move me closer to my goals mm. and like set it up because there's so many things where it's just like something will be really bothering you, but it's like not important and it's not sure. going to move you towards anything. It's just bothering you. So it's like, nah, toss that off to the side. Just let, let's focus on what win is going to help me out the most. What easiest win is at least going to get me some momentum sure. to start falling into all of the other things that I need to do throughout the day. I like but that. Yeah, I think prioritize i mean but the problem is is that in order to prioritize you need to know what your objectives are yeah and right most people don't know what their objectives no. are so i think having like a clear clear cut uh map of like what's most important to you and what your goals are and what you're trying to move towards yeah right that's key and, and then you can prioritize it like families first right, right fitness is second right and then go down the list but you just need to have a clear vision of like what do you what do you actually want? Yeah, I, I've and I, t- I totally agree on you on that. The way I've been able to figure those ones out that's worked for me is doing something called a, a rocking chair exercise, and it's it's pretty self-explanatory. But essentially, you picture yourself in your rocking chair. You're 80 years old. You're sitting in a rocking chair. You're overlooking this beautiful landscape. You're at the the last phase of your life, right? what are you reflecting on in your life and what did that look like right did you develop a family grow a good family a close family did you start a business did you find financial success what are the things as you reflect as an 80 year old upon your life and you're sitting there content what are those big milestones um throughout your life yeah and then like working backwards from that point that's something that's always helped me like hey i know what this is at the end how do i get there right and working backwards yeah no that's super powerful and i'm gonna build on top of that with a personal story of uh my 98 year old grandma was in the nursing home yeah and she had dementia and i I went to visit her during like it wasn't her last like day but like her last weeks sure or close to it and like has dementia can't really remember anything she's kind of just splurting things out but I, i was there for like maybe 45 minutes sure and all she was sitting there doing was like, oh, I, I wish I had just treated everyone better. Like, I wish I had yeah. treated my family better. Like, oh, I wish I had spent more time with so-and-so. Uh-huh. And then she would start from scratch and do it over and over right. and over. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. Because, like, she's just saying, like, how she wishes she was there for her family more. Sure. And it's just on repeat. Yeah. 24 hours a day. Not, and I'm just like, this is, I like... I, <laughs> kills me a yeah, little bit. It's, ter- it's terrifying. <laughs> but I'm too. just like, I don't want that. Like yeah. that I, I cannot have that. I don't want to be sitting there on my deathbed just replaying how I wish I had done things mm. and I wish I had treated people better. Yeah. So like, well, I mean, that hits hard, home hard for me. So, sure. I mean, be able to take that. But I think even taking it a step further, which puts me more into action, is the perspective of what if today is the last day of your life? Mm-hmm. What would you do? Sure. Right? Because if you're not guaranteed tomorrow you're going to be much more conscious over what you're doing today and you're not going to waste any time, Yeah. right? Because we put so many things off till tomorrow, but it's just like, well, tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? Uh-huh. I mean, God forbid, but you could have a heart attack while you're sleeping, brain yeah. aneurysm, Anything. a meteor could come and crush your house, right? You get hit by a bus the next day. Yeah. So it's just like, 
do you want to be putting shit off today for tomorrow, even though it's not guaranteed? Mm-hmm. So like try to make today literally the best fucking day ever mm-hmm. because it might very well be. Yeah. yeah that's a great point. Right. And yeah. I think when I think of that, like, all right, well, let me treat today to its fullest. And if I make it till tomorrow, tomorrow's a bonus day. Uh, right. Okay. I think there's a really good quote from, uh, oh, Stephen Hawking. Okay. And they're like, someone asked him like, oh, like, you know, how are you able, how are you capable of doing all the like amazing things that you're able to do? And it's just like, well, when I turned 21 and I was confined to a wheelchair, every single day after that was a bonus. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's fucking awesome. I really like that perspective. Not to bring a fictional character in it, but it's something that's always stood out to me. Yeah. And I just love the show, too. You know, Peaky Binders. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's more so like historical reference than anything. It's just an opportunity to verbalize it. But, you know, Thomas Shelby and the Shelbys, right? They were all tunnelers in World War One. Mm-hmm. Tra- horrific job to do in that whole scenario. I can't imagine. But anyway, they all, there was a specific event. They were supposed to die. They didn't. So collectively, they kind of agreed that everything after this point is a bonus, right? Everybody's already dead already. So anything after this point is a bonus. I really like that perspective on things, right? And then you just shared that in a probably a, a lighter way. Um, but thinking of every extra day as a bonus and, valuing it i think that's a great self-reflection too well here's a really good change up for you yeah is it another peaky blinders reference not a peaky blinders (laughs) reference uh but no it's one that i think about a lot yeah and it's super relevant which is not that many people think about this and they're unaware of it but like you're going to die yeah i know it's going to happen yeah uh, it's there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, but so many people live their life so scared because they're so scared of dying. But it's like once you like get past that fear and just accept, like, okay, I'm going to die. Then who gives a shit about what fucking Sally down the street is saying about me today? Yeah, right. It's just like such a crazy perspective yeah. switch when you just like, and I think I think people should meditate on it and journal on it. Yeah. I do yeah. pretty frequently because mm-hmm. it helps throw that. Uh, thing called gratitude into the mix yeah which a lot of people take for granted right mm-hmm. but when you just realize that you're going to die your time on this earth is finite and it's limited and it really helps you to not waste any time yeah because time is the uh resource that is non-renewable yeah and you can't get back and once you spend it it's gone and i like to take that perspective too which is yeah. your time is your money right once you spend it, you can't get it back. Right. And people squander their time so much doing stupid bullshit that doesn't help them in any way. And you can't get that back. Yeah. Right. So it helps you to really use your time way more efficiently. And it just gives you perspective to be grateful for where you are and just make the most of your time because you know it's all going to come to an end sooner or later anyway. Yeah. Right. So it also makes you go into action, but it also helps you with family too because it's like, not everyone's going to be here forever, so spend yeah. the most time that you can with them. Uh, that's a great point, too, because everybody has different amounts of time left. Exactly. Right. And you don't know, you don't know how, how much. much everybody's got, right? Exactly. But that's why if you treat it as, well, if I die today and I do everything I can today and yeah. tell everyone that I know I love them, then if you go into tomorrow and it was your last day here today, yeah. you're good. Feel good about it, right? Or mm-hmm. their last day, too. Or their last right? day. Yeah. Yeah. Because you yeah. don't know. You never know. Wow. We really, we really took this to a... A somber tone. Oh, I love philosophy. <laughs> we can go. I we could just line quotes up. Oh, we could. We, we we do keep on pulling out like examples from X, examples from Y. It's fun though. At this point, so one of the things, and this kind of goes into 
you are what you repeatedly do. Yeah. Right. Which is also kind of a micro goal thing. Right. But like if you're a reader, then you have to read. Right. So I told myself, which I still do, but like I'm not a reader. Right. But you are. But I am because I read every single yeah. day. Right? Well, who, what is a reader? Someone who reads a lot. Exactly. You read 18 so books. Same, and same thing with yeah. writing. Yeah. Right. Like. Uh, what do you consider a writer? Is yeah. a writer someone who writes novels? A someone a writer someone who writes like articles on the internet or right. blog posts? Or is a writer simply just somebody who writes words onto paper? Yeah. Well, right? if you do the thing that that label does, then you are that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So one of the things that I started probably a year ago was like journaling and writing. Yeah. So every single day I write down and I journal and write. And then I was just like, I don't know how I got onto it. Oh, it was from Ryan Holiday's uh, The Daily Stoic. Okay. And he has all these philosophical quotes in there. And I'm just like, these are so awesome. Yeah. I need to do more of this. So I was just like, all right, let me just get a list of philosophers and I'll just write down quotes from them. And then it just turned into, at this point, a year later, yeah. a daily habit where every single day I write down three quotes. Yeah. And you send them to us. You send them to your friends. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a small group that I send it to. You're included in one of them. And yeah, I think... I, I, I laugh because I'm looking at my phone and my text messages and I'm like clicking on all these people. I'm like, oh, I, I don't usually send it to them. And I'm yeah. just like, should I just send it to them? They probably <laughs> like it. Yeah. Because every single person that I've told that I've done it, they're like, oh, this is awesome. I like yeah, this. It's great. Well, now it's at the point where it's way bigger scope than I thought it was going to be. Sure. And I try not to resend the quotes, but I, I wasn't keeping track. I yeah. have no freaking clue That's what okay. quotes I sent out. But yeah, I try to send the good ones. There's yeah. a lot of good ones. I, I mean, as like a receiving end of it, how could we could never keep track, right? You have so many days, right? Can uh, you remember point, 90 things, right? I'm pretty, I'm pretty close. Yeah, but I, well, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, but as like a receiver, mm-hmm. I would never remember what you sent on day two. Yeah. Now that is day 90. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's they're still just as valid as they were then. The, the, the quotes aren't snapshots of time right yeah. or only no, applicable they they're philosophical recyclable. deal you yeah. know they're recyclable yeah but yeah i laugh because like usually when i send these quotes out i try to make them the same theme yeah or like related in some way i said that though, and right. then yeah, yeah i was laughing because <laughs> I, I i don't know how long i was doing it for maybe like yeah. two or three months at that point and you were just like oh th- this is a good one they yeah. have the same theme and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I was trying to do that yeah, with all the whole time. time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying the other ones weren't, but like they, the two that you sent that they had like the specific same like word or something yeah. like like the same exact context referenced clearly in it. Yeah, so it just like stood out to me more. But that is funny. So funny, but yeah, I think a hey, growth mindset gives you an opportunity to become better at it. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh man, you just threw me off my thought of what oh, I was going to say. Darn it. Well, we should probably start changing gears here now anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a good place to wrap up. But Well, next time, um, we are going to be talking about this new book that I started reading. I've, I've had it on open for a long time. Probably had it for probably about six months, but, um, but just started to make another dent in it called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And um, for any of the listeners, you'll hear this a lot from that master class brand that you hear out there. He's got, Chris Voss has one there. He's a ex FBI negotiator. They're the kind of the premier negotiator for hostage situations. Uh, and he was in both international terrorism, uh, bank robbery, all, tons of different um, situations like that in teams for the FBI. And now he does a lot of commercial trainings or business trainings and stuff like that too. 
So this book is really hot right now in the sales community, the negotiation community. So you're like you're a buyer or you know supply chain person like that. Um, but it's also just great lessons for life. You know, you negotiate every day. He says, uh, whether that's with your partner, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, everything's a negotiation. So I've been really interested in it. How I've been going through it is. Uh, really reflecting on each chapter. So we'll go into that in more detail next time. Uh, I recommend it to you, Ryan, to to pick it up and start reading it too, add it to your collection. So over the next few sessions, we'll we'll start getting into that a bit more, guys. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to say, I, I was laughing because before we started this conversation, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to a bunch of guys at work who have their MBA and they were like, yeah. that was one of the like foundational books in the MBA program. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh man, I got to add that to my list. Yeah. And then you came over and you were like, Oh, like I'm reading this book and I'm like, that's it. I'm buying it. That's, that's the third. <laughs> that's person. the third one. Yeah, yep, that's the third, third reference. One. That's, yep. a, that's a buy it now. right now. Which is too funny, but yeah, I think that's a good segue into next time. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. And this is Ryan and Hunter hopping out. Yeah, hopping out, guys. Whoop. <laughs>